The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... All right, guys, here we are with uh, Grant Porteous in the studio again. Glad to have you Grant, back, Grant. How are you doing? Yeah, it's good to be back. I'm great. Thanks. Um, so this is the seventh episode in the series on the path to enlightenment. This is our first episode talking about um, some of the tools that uh, that any personality type can use. And uh, this particular tool was a book that uh, Grant sent me a text about after not just after our last recording, he sent me a text said, "Hey man, check out this book. Tell me what you think." And the book is called "The Power of Decision" by Raymond Charles Barker, and it is so for anyone who knows me and knows how much I'm in, I'm totally in love with uh, Thomas Troward and the New Thought movement. A lot of the New Thought communicators, I had never heard of Raymond Charles Barker, who is a New Thought communicator. And uh, the long story short is a lot of this audience is aware of my journey with Thomas Troward, my journey with the Four Agreements and Don Miguel Ruiz. And the best way that I can describe this book and this tool is if Thomas Troward and Don Miguel Ruiz had a baby, his name was Raymond Charles Parker. (laughs) So when you sent me this book, I obviously just, uh, I have a lot of respect for Grant as, uh, as a, communicator as a friend as especially as someone who thinks deeply and thoughtfully and so anytime any book you've ever recommended to me I've actually ended up reading and absolutely love it so uh, this was no exception this book kind of uh, just rocked my world and as we've been kind of doing a pre-show you know have have a beer and and talk about the show I've there's been so many moments in in the last hour that I'm like why why don't we have the microphones on yet So here we are. The microphones are on, and um, I'm going to largely lean on kind of some of the stuff that you were sharing with me the last hour is just absolutely amazing about about decision and about its place as a tool in the in the hands of people who want to kind of keep growing. And, and in this case, in this this series, it's the path to enlightenment. Yeah, I mean, it's for me uh, and my my mentor, David Bear. Okay. Um, shared this book with his um, his current tribe. I guess he's passed it along um, last year or two or whatever. But the the book was I never heard of him either. I'd never heard of the I don't know the science, the metaphysical church <laughs> movement, whatever was going on in the '60s, whatever they were calling it then, which is obviously an outgrowth of a lot of the stuff that you've been reading. Right. Um, and he'll reference in the book a variety of people that going back to the turn of the last century and a little bit before when apparently this movement really kind of got off the ground in the 1860s, 1870s. Right. And so the power of decision is his take on, by the 1960s, what it takes in order to live a powerful, fruitful, healthy, wealthy life, if you will. And, you know, so it's, he references a lot of God in it, mm-hmm. and it was a church that he had um, where he taught a lot out of Scripture, but it's safe to say that his his understanding or his interpretation of those things would 
be off the beaten path from, say, some of the more typical or traditional, quote-unquote, interpretations of, of Scripture. And yet, like we were talking about before, for me, I'm like, oh my goodness. You know, for example, he talks about infinite intelligence. I'm like, well, what a beautiful thing to think of God as, is this infinite source of right. intelligence. Or the idea that... Everyone knows his name is God. Right. Right. You can't call right. him so anything else. You can't else. call him anything else. It's like, well, <laughs> but could I just think about him as something else? Like, And so, you know, we have, you know, like we were talking about again, we, we don't have any problem thinking about God as love, you know, but we, for whatever reason, balk at ideas that aren't directly referenced in Scripture, like God is infinite intelligence or the right. power of the Spirit to guide and direct. You know, well, we think about that thing in spiritual things, but not kind of in day-to-day life for whatever reason. Right. So when we get into the power of decision, the premise being, you know, you get to decide the kind of life that you actually have. And it's um, it really runs contrary to a lot of what most of us have at least believed or experienced in the past where we felt like things happened to us or where we go, oh, that was a bad thing or that was a good thing versus, well, that was a thing that happened and I actually gave it the meaning Mm-hmm. That it had. And so, you know, I mean, I could I could kind of run down that rabbit trail for a long time. <laughs> I'll tell you what, the, you know, so Don Miguel in The Four Agreements, his kind of his major premise. Um, and those of you who listen to the episode on the I personality types, it is largely a pursuit of happiness. Right. Okay. It's, it's, it's a pursuit of and it's and I called it that the episode was called The Fun Path. To enlightenment. Each one was, you know, so you had the powerful path for D's. Okay. The fun path for I's. Gotcha. The peaceful path for S's. Okay. And the right path for, or I think I, I might have changed the name of that third, that fourth one, but it was basically the right answer gotcha. for your C's. And um, the idea that this is kind of a, a cross, in my opinion, between kind of the, the he largely talks about, uh, Raymond Charles talks about kind of that decide to be happy and the pursuit of happiness is, is arguably his main filter. Would yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, or the, or the pursuit of making the pursuit of making powerful decisions and making decisions instead of, you know, like he says, a step-by-step program to overcome indecision and live without failure forever. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and people are like, Oh, wow. You know, that sounds you know, it's like <laughs> we're kind of woo woo stuff. You know what I mean? Live, But like you pointed out, he's, when a person fails to decide, he's really making a decision to fail. You know, it sounds mm-hmm. like some smarmy thing that you'd see on a, a cross-stitch pillow or something. But at the end of the day, when you make a decision, you create a belief. And once right. you make a decision slash create a belief, then everything downstream of that works in this sort of circular fashion where then my thoughts, my feelings my actions and the outcomes that I get reinforce that decision or that belief. And in a way, it makes total sense if we think about it, because if I if it didn't work like that, I'd be living in a constant crazy world that didn't make any sense mm-hmm. or that risk not making any sense. And that would be a horrible design. And since God's a really amazing <laughs> designer... Right. It totally makes sense that once we make a decision, the world lines up and agrees with that decision or that belief. So we can look at the science and go, well, now we understand that there's this thing in the brain called the reticular activating system. And the reticular activating system, or the RAS, acts as a filter 
that filters only what we believe is true or only what we already agree with so that when we look at a situation or a circumstance, we can understand it because it agrees with the way that we interpret the situation. Mm -hmm. So my mentor would say, so if we believe that people are crappy and can't be trusted, the brain goes, got it. People are crappy and can't be trusted. Here's some more of those. Right. Right. Let me find when it becomes a, and I've done some discussions, maybe in our previous episode, we talked about a little bit. I can't remember. It's come up multiple times over the last few months. The the reticular activating system, the RAS, Mm -hmm. its job is to preserve yourself. It's self-preservation. Sure. Right. And so it also, it's, it's the thing that allows you to drive, you know, 80 miles down, 80 miles an hour down the freeway and not pay attention to every car on the freeway. Sure. Only the ones that matter. Right. Exactly. Right. Only, only the dangers that matter, only the details that matter. Right. The, and so it, it's, it's filtration system is a self image preservation system. Totally. Which is when you say, this is what, you know, the world is, what was it? The, full of shitty people that can't be trusted. It is that system going, well, that is your sense of self. Let me preserve it. Right. And it's... I'll make sure that that's true. Yeah. And I'll make sure that everyone that is shitty, you see them. Right. All the people that you interact with that aren't, you don't notice them. No, you don't notice that they were good. Or the amazing thing, the brain is so powerful, it can even turn really great people into (laughs) shitty people that can't be trusted. I mean, we are incredibly powerful creators. I've never behaved oddly in front of somebody. I'm always myself. They never change my behavior. No. I mean, think about it. You walk away from those scenarios like, I don't know why I said that. Maybe it's them. (laughs) Getting a little deep. Uh Uh-oh. Sorry. We're not allowed to do that on this show. No, let's keep it simple. Can we can we back up for something that kind of blew my mind? And I told you that as we were talking, we didn't have the microphones on. I was like, dang it, why don't we have... <laughs> so I kept a couple thoughts to myself so that we could get them on the recording. So I have studied belief for really in depth for five years now. Really since finding Thomas Troward and really the law of attraction and a kind of... Okay. You know where do, where does where does the journey start mm-hmm. when you're when you're 37 years old or when you're any age? I mean, it kind of when did, it always is. But I've been studying belief for a very long time, and I have I've gone to classes and training with Psyche and Emotion Code, and I've, I've I've I even started an organization called Belief IQ, and I've I've it is a very big subject for me. And so today, when you said, you know, every decision is every decision is a belief, or every belief is essentially a decision, I was kind of like, wait, what? <laughs> and so I want to drill down there for a second because, holy shit, like we the word belief and the energy of that word carries a pretty hefty like it, it, a spiritual connotation, a mm-hmm. woo woo kind of un unknown what do I, I don't know what i believe i don't know you know right. it's just a belief but decision is a very mechanical mm-hmm. conscious like oh i've decided and you use the example of like yeah i decided know, to have a cheeseburger right do i believe in cheeseburgers or do i decide to have oil right and when you and then you even mentioned like how you know christians largely say like you make a decision for jesus right um but for this audience like to drill down like oh my gosh Decisions. I've I have struggled for years to kind of get certain personality types, and again, this this series is largely filtered through that it takes all sorts to make the world go round. Sure, absolutely. And I can sit here and do these podcast episodes, thinking people are getting it, 
and half the audience is going, well, he sounds really smart, but it's not really resonating with me. Um, or he sounds stupid or whatever. He's an idiot. I'm sure that's happened. <laughs> um, but That's the, just a decision. Right? That, that the decision component, it kind of framing it differently as every belief is nothing more than a decision. Correct. I don't know if you have any more to say. And I was just blown away by it. Yeah. So again, so, um, so this is teaching that I've, that I've gotten over the past year. Right. Mm -hmm. And so one of the things that, that really does resonate as I push into that is the whole, the whole idea of if I make a decision, I create a belief about that. You know, so if I, now, it's not to say that I decide to have a hamburger instead of the chicken wrap. Right. Right. And then that means that hamburgers are all I'm ever going to eat. Right. But if I make that if I make that choice to have one over the other, that's because I believe whatever it is that I believe that that's what I ought to have for lunch. And I don't make a big, deep deal out of it. It's just I made a decision. And then lo and behold, the cheeseburger shows up. Right. Right. So. But if I, if I make a decision, let's say I make a decision for Christ. I believe in Jesus. So I make a decision for Christ, right? All of a sudden, magically, things begin to transform in my thought and in my heart and in my emotions and in the things that I do and then in the outcomes that I get. And depending on how inclined I am to tie those things together, I'll either see the connection that, wow, since I've started to believe this or since I made this decision for, all these other downstream things seem to be changing. Mm -hmm. right? So the church is interesting because it'll say, make a decision for Jesus, and then after that, it's all about your behavior. Right. right? Act right. It's like, well, well wait a second. If, if it's I make a decision and then my thoughts, feelings... Actions and outcomes reinforce the, the, that thing that I decided. Wouldn't I just want to keep making better decisions? Mm. You know, we want you to act right. We want you to manage your thoughts. You know, check that feeling at the door. You know, so now it's all about my thoughts, feelings, and, and behaviors so that I get the outcomes that a good Christian believer should get, right? It's like, well, well no wonder none of that ever made sense to me because making a decision or creating a belief is arguably what we would want to do throughout our life as we get more and more in tune with the things of spirit or more and more in tune with God, more and more in tune with whatever it is that we're believing that God shows up in. You know, I'm a Christian, so I, you know, that's my frame of reference for that. But it's to look at that through the lens of it's how you act as the, as the, I don't know, the, the be-all, end-all, whatever you would say, right. that never really made any sense. And as I'm reading things like The Power of Decision, or as I'm understanding that when I make a decision, I create the world in which I'm living. Mm -hmm. And my decisions become beliefs about things. And as soon as I make a decision, the reticular activating system kind of gets on board and begins to rewire the brain and goes, oh, okay, well, I, I thought we believe this, but now we believe that. Got it. And all of a sudden... All of my mental energy, which is considerable, mm -hmm. goes towards creating the world that I now believe in. So it's like when somebody quits drinking. I don't believe that drinking is a good idea anymore. And I'm making a decision not to drink. Got it. And suddenly, for people who have made that decision, they'll notice that they don't have the desire. Or they don't want to go to the places where that's happening. Or they don't want to put themselves in a position where drink is the thing. Or pick a thing. Pick a subject. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it often shows up in relationship and money-related things. Because for an awful lot of people, relationship and money are two things that are constantly in our faces. So one of the limiting beliefs that a lot of us have is money's hard to make. Mm-hmm. And as long as we go, money's hard to make, the particular activating system's right there going, got it, money's hard to make. And so lo and behold... Let me prove it. <laughs> money seems to be really hard to make. All right. Right? And so then we wind up believing that we're living in this world of limitations and lack and there's not enough and all that kind of stuff when in fact the truth is there's more than enough Mm -hmm. but i mean the cattle on a thousand hills and blah 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 and all that kind of stuff i mean you could even throw scripture at that to prove that there's no end to the abundance and yet for some reason some of us wind up living in lack as though that was god's desire for us like we're bad children or like he's mad at us or we've done something wrong or or we're stupid and can't figure it out. <laughs> and it's only a, a belief, right? So we do that with relationships. We do that in just pretty much every setting in our life. Right. So um, I don't know. I'll, I'll shut up. <laughs> so I was just, you know, just this this whole series has been about chasing enlightenment. Mm-hmm. And I told you earlier, you know, this kind of, I've defined it as two different components. One is heaven on earth and the other is kind of transcending the human limitation where you talk about, you know, glorified bodies and trains relocating, walking on water, stuff like that, but also transcending to other dimensions and everything like that. But, but this episode, the decision um, is largely focused on kind of that pursuit of happiness, the manifestation of heaven on earth. Right. And you talk about people who kind of have decided that life is hard. Mm-hmm. They've decided that life sucks, and then you die. Right. And have you ever seen that meme? It's recently come across my Facebook a couple times. Like, what happens if? What would What would you do if, when you got to heaven, the angels asked you, "So, how was he- how was heaven?" <laughs> I have not. Seen how did that. you enjoy heaven? Like that. The point of uh, there's there's a, a one mindset, and I tend to believe that in the grand scheme of things, that souls are longing to experience physical existence in the form of humanity. Like that before you were a human, you couldn't wait to get here. Right. And now that we're here, it's, we can't wait to get out of here because it's hell and it's hard and everything. But that's, that is a decision. You know, I do, I do, um, belief IQ. I have kind of a, a triangle as is kind of that beliefs lead to your emotions, your emotions, and lead to your actions and your actions reinforce your beliefs. So it's mm-hmm. very much a similar kind of circular, like this mm-hmm. life works a certain way. Right. And in this model, you talk about decisions leading to thoughts, thoughts leading to feelings, feelings leading to actions and actions leading to outcomes. Correct. And as you're listening and, and we've talked a few times about this stuff, which I love, it's kind of more granular even than what, than how I had broken it down that that beliefs are essentially a kind of an interplay between your thoughts and decisions. Because some decisions you'll make based on different thoughts. Mm-hmm. And some thoughts will reflect back to your decisions that you've made. And, and But by and large, the why I wanted to drill down, because I've, there are certain, I don't know, it's going to take more than just one podcast episode to define it, but there's a certain class of beliefs that I have find for everyone I know, including myself, that are really difficult to kind of retool. And as you were talking earlier on the couch, I just, and you were talking about the power of decision, 
And I realized like if you can break that beliefs, uh, break that apart into thoughts and decisions, that those ones that are really difficult to retool, actually probably, they, I think they do come down to whether or not you've made a different decision. And that's incredibly empowering because when you realize the power of decision, you know, plug the name of the book here for a second. Right, right. When you realize the power of decision that, that everything else does flow downstream from that, that it doesn't make it, it doesn't keep it up in the stratosphere of spiritual mumbo jumbo that you can, don't really know how to, how to manipulate, how to touch, right. how to retool. How do I believe? Right. Please help my unbelief. Kind right. of, right? Right. Um, we'll make a different decision. Right. Is essentially what I'm hearing. And that and that's kind of, for a lot of you who listen to this podcast that I know have heard me teach for years, I know every one of you have these kind of, these things that have been difficult to like, yeah, but what about this? And this episode, I think, and this concept is uh, one that I think could potentially uh, unlock a lot of a lot of personal challenges for people that I know. You know, it's a, it's a great observation because a lot of us, I know I've struggled with the same kind of thing. You know, how do I believe? You know, and I, I would look at that passage that you just quoted and go, yeah, yeah, you know, I help my unbelief. <laughs> and I'm, now I'm kind of like hearing Jesus going, just make a decision, dude. <laughs> You know, like for example, the the often quoted thing. You know, if you were to if you had the faith of a mustard seed, you know, you'd say to this mountain, "Be removed," and it would go from here to there, be cast into the sea, or whatever your uh, translation happens to say. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but how do you have that kind of belief? And it's like, no, 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 you're missing the point. Right. If you decide that that's your reality, and we're like, wait a second, wait, you know that, but that Jesus could say that kind of stuff, but that's because he was Jesus, right? And it's like, well, or what he was saying is, you're going to do greater things than I did, so actually that must mean that that's you, and all you really have to do is decide, decide to throw the mountain into the sea, right? Just decide that that's the way that this stuff works, that that's who you are, that you're that amazing and powerful. He wasn't saying you have to learn some secret handshake and then jump mm-hmm. down, turn around three times. He was saying, believe. And underneath Decide. all of it is the creative reality that you were made in his image and likeness. Right. And that if you're a you co-creator. De- if you decide to do something, mm-hmm. it shall be done. Right. Well, isn't isn't there passages sort of like that too? You know, yeah, if, just a few. <laughs> <laughs> we won't go into all that scripture quoting. But but to be able to to be able to say the Bible, even through the through the standard translations and understanding, is lousy. With examples of Jesus and God, you know, prior to the Lord coming, saying, this is the thing, right? You know, going back to the Old Testament, my people perish for lack of imagination. You know, well, James Richards, who wrote the book, um, well, he wrote a bunch of books. He did heart physics and then, Mm -hmm. you know, um, what was it? How to Stop the Pain. Okay. Right? So... You know, he would argue that my people perish for lack of vision is better understood in the ancient Hebrews. My people perish for a lack of imagination, Mm. right? The inability to imagine the thing that God was saying was true caused them to fall into unbelief. Right. Because if you could imagine that it was true, if you could imagine that what he was saying was going to come to pass or that he was who he said he was or he was going to provide in the way that he said he would provide— Holy smokes, look at all that that we could step into and have and enjoy and be as his chosen people. And now, if you look at it as, let's say, you're a co-creator, 
mm-hmm. with infinite intelligence, or you are the physical manifestation that God wants to express himself as, right? God in you, through you, as you. Um, you know, the guy that wrote the book, um, what was it? He was an old Baptist pastor. Not grace the power to change, but, oh, the rest of the gospel, when the partial gospel has worn you out. Right. You know, first time I ever heard that God as you. And then Barker starts talking about in the power of decision, God expressing himself as you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the physical reality that God intentionally created so that he could show up and be be in the world. You're an individual expression of the divine yes. being. And that's that's what I've been teaching for a couple of years now. Right. That we are individual, like God has never experienced being the way he has experienced it through Grant or through Austin. And, mm-hmm. and that we are all individual expressions of the one being. As God, though, but because without... Us, God has no body. Um, this is a bit of a sidetrack, but the idea of like if you go to eternity and you realize, you know, all the omnis, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, all the outside of time, outside of space, that means God is experiencing everything all the time. Mm-hmm. Right? This conversation, God has been experiencing for eternity mm-hmm. and he's still experiencing it. So the reality of experience is that if there's no beginning and no end to it, is can you call it an experience? It just is. Right? And so in order to experience living, he needed an, a, an expression inside of time, inside of limitation, to have a beginning to this podcast and an end to this podcast. He experienced being in a podcast, right? Otherwise, it's always happening, and it's not happening. Right? It's a bit of a mind bender there, Austin. <laughs> right? So, oh my gosh, so there's the... The component with decision and the and its interplay with beliefs, and, and you've mentioned it a few times, but to drill down now, kind of how that flows downstream, mm-hmm. right? That the decisions you make, uh, they become, uh, you know, I was thinking about make the decision to cast this mountain into the sea. Mm-hmm. There is a creative capacity inside of humanity that... <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it, people have decided to move mountains throughout history. Um, and I don't mean just spiritual ones. We now have earth movers. Mm-hmm. We now have entire companies built on the concept of moving earth and putting it and, and manipulating the environment. And I think it's a, it's a lower vibration of that verse, but it's also a very beautiful expression of, if, the, if you understand that you are your father, you are an expression of your father, that there is nothing you cannot do. All things are possible, right? Right. If he if he is for you, who can be against you? Literally, there's nothing that can be against you. There's nothing that you cannot do. Literally, the thing standing between you and all of those promises is a decision. It's your thoughts. Yeah. Right. It's what you believed and decided, and then that just begins to generate the wheel of, does it reinforce that belief, or does it begin to unpack it? Right. But it's so hard. It's so hard in a world that's so chock-a-block full of only the things I can touch, see, feel, you know, my five senses world, mm-hmm. right? Not the world of belief, not the world of faith, not the mm-hmm. world of decisions. Thought. Right. And so to be, able to, to be able to realize that these thoughts that I have, the negative ones, the positive ones and all that are just the result of my beliefs. And then to begin to go, so I don't need to work on my thoughts. See, that was my falling out with cognitive behavioral therapy back in the day Hmm. and why I ran off that reservation because 
all I saw people doing, you, you've seen the show with, you know, some guys got plates spinning on their sticks and then he gets another one going. He's got a, he's running around like a madman trying to keep all these plates from falling and they're all wobbly and it's just nothing but a lot of work. If you just work at the level of your thoughts and your feelings and your actions, you're that guy. Right. <laughs> if you happen to catch a belief instead of a thought... Mm. And somehow magically have given that belief the evidence instead of a positive affirmation. Then what you find is that thing begins to manifest something completely different on its own without really without any more work. Because now it's a new decision and it's unconscious. It happens at that level. Right. Right. But if you just do it at the level of conscious thought, conscious feelings and conscious behaviors, you're left with behavioral management. That's the trap that the church has fallen into. Mm -hmm. It doesn't seem to know how to teach people to believe or make different decisions. So it focuses what it knows how to do, which is highlighting bad behaviors and bad, bad outcomes. Yeah, it's allopathic spirituality. Kind of. Yeah, exactly. So, so we have these little momentary treatments that you have to keep taking or have to keep doing in order to stay on the right path. But that's exhausting. As opposed to, you know, the ease and flow, if you will, that comes from you make a different decision. I mean, there's nothing hard about believing in Jesus, right? You make a decision to believe in Jesus and you believe and it's like, okay, that's what I believe. Hmm. That's not that hard, right? right? And then what makes it hard is then when you say, okay, now to live that way, here's what you have to do. You have to do this and do this. And, well, wait a minute. I, I think I lost track at do number four. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm on number seven, so try to keep up. because. So instead, when you make a decision that I don't do those things that miss the mark anymore. Oh, got it. So now there's just no, there's no conflict there. There's no stress and strain and struggle. It, it is as easy as whatever would flow out of any unconscious decision that you made. Right. It's just we're not really much taught to look at our unconscious decisions or the things that we've come to unconsciously believe. And again, a lot of the brain science would suggest we came to believe those things by the age of five or seven at the latest, and we've just been fine-tuning them. <laughs> that's a little disturbing, isn't it? You become, yeah, that's what Don Miguel talks about, that you've, you have mastered the art of being you. Right. And the, you is a lie. You as a dream, you as a, you as a construct that you have built mm -hmm. based on your domestication, based on how you've interacted with the with the manipulation of the environment around you, mm -hmm. and that you have you've become a master at it. And so, when you want to start to change it, realize that you're you're you you have practiced this for however old you are. Right. You have practiced being you. Right. And to decide to be a different you. So I get you talk about the reticular activating system, how it. You know, it's this it's the part inside your brain that when you buy a red car or buy buy a red truck, you see that truck everywhere. Absolutely. Right. Um, or you own we've talked about that a bit. So it's in my mind's eye, I can kind of see it's kind of like a uh, you know, the switch on a train track. Yeah. Where you make a decision to start thinking something different mm -hmm. and that it, maybe it's a really long train and it's one car at a time following a different track and mm -hmm. you can be standing on the you can be standing at that switch thinking well maybe that next car is going to go the old way and maybe that next car is going to follow that same track but if you have decided right to to think differently about something to believe differently about something that that RAS kicks in and you start to find evidence so 
you've mentioned that a few times, kind of finding evidence, and you gave me some examples. Can you unpack that a little bit? Yeah. So let's let's use one of the really common um, one of the really common things. Like um, we could do money or relationship or whatever, but you know, let's just let's just go to relationship. You know, if mm-hmm. I believe that people are crappy and can't be trusted, and the brain goes, "Okay, got it. Here's some more crappy people that can't be trusted." Right. Even like we were talking about, when people who come to me who don't actually fit that mold, I will magically see only the things that would allow them to fit my understanding of how people are. Mm-hmm. And so eventually I'll have to turn them into crappy people that can't be trusted. So if I make a decision, though, that says, you know, let's turn that around. So let's play the game. So the game in switching, we'll call that a limiting belief. So the limiting belief is people are crappy and can't be trusted. And the reason it's limiting is it puts me into a horrible state where I'm not enjoying my life and I'm not enjoying my relationships. And so arguably that's not what God designed us for. So I decide that's a limiting belief. Huh. Ta-da. I'm awake. I decide the limiting belief is people are crappy and can't be trusted. So the powerful belief would be just the opposite. So now I would say, okay, well, all right. People can be trusted. People are halfway decent at least and can be trusted. <laughs> so so to be able to say, all right, so let's say people can be trusted. What's the evidence for that? Now, in again, in some sorts of work, you would use positive affirmations. Doggone it, people are good and they can right. be trusted. People can be trusted. People can be trusted. Right. People can be trusted. Well, yeah. that's like that's like sending the cheer squad in late in the fourth <laughs> quarter against the Pats. They're not going to win the game. It might be interesting and entertaining, but they're not going to pull that. If Tom one out Brady's of on the field. You're. Scr- I'm sorry. <laughs> you know. So instead, the powerful part is the evidence that your reticular activating system needs to go. Oh. Because it won't respond to affirmations and cheer squads. Right. It will respond, however, to evidence because it's a it's a hardwired piece of machinery and it had evidence originally or it interpreted the evidence that you saw in backing up the original decision. People are crappy and can't be trusted, right? And so when your mom said that you couldn't have a puppy, well, then people are crappy and can't be trusted. I don't know. I'm just right. throwing stuff out there. Just, I don't want to throw moms under the bus. Let me interrupt real quick. Like, if you're listening to this, rewind it for the last 30 seconds, because this, this, the, the need for evidence is paramount. It's non-negotiable. It's the thing. Yeah. It's the difference between, and that, and for me, that's why, that's why I signed up for the, my mentor's program. <clears throat> Excuse me, because he was the first person that was talking about how do I actually change a belief, not how do I manage my thoughts and my feelings. Mm-hmm. And the key is your belief system needs evidence. It got automatic evidence at some point, and you weren't even aware that it made the decision. Mm-hmm. And that's why this stuff operates at the unconscious level so smoothly without ever kind of causing any kind of a bump, stutter, or hiccup. Because you've believed the evidence for so long. But the amazing thing, and I think this is one of the gifts that God's given us, is to be able to transform, not just change or manage, but to transform our thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. We simply have to make a different decision and back it up with new evidence. Right. And so now we all know um, tragic cases of people that have been through war, have been through some traumatic, awful experience. And now their view of reality was shattered and replaced with evidence to the contrary of what they thought. Right. Right. So now they've come by a very hard and sudden way into believing something that didn't used to that didn't line up with what they used to believe. Right. 
um, we would call that trauma. But to be able to consciously decide, okay, so people are okay. You know, the majority of people can be trusted. What's the evidence of that? I can look time and again at the kindness of strangers. I can look time and again in places, even between the storylines of my family. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of my family. Where there have been vast kindnesses and vast places where people were trustworthy and all kinds of good stuff. And I can go, oh, well, wait a second. Actually, it's not true that people can't be trusted. And once I decide that people can be trusted and I can show myself the evidence, it's like it's like you let your dog out the back, right? And you and when you let the dog out the back, you throw the ball in the same corner of the yard and the dog knows to run to that corner. It's almost waiting for it by the time, you know, a few days goes by. And right. So now there's this beaten path to that one corner of the yard and there's no grass growing there. And you open the door one day and you throw the ball to the other corner. And the dog's <laughs> standing there in the on the path, and it's like, well, well, wait a second. We, we go this way. It's like, no, no, the ball's down there. Oh. A halfway smart dog is going to catch on pretty quick. <laughs> right. And it won't take but a few days, and now it's running to the other corner of the yard. Because right. once you decide that that's where we throw the ball, the dog goes, oh, got it. Okay, well, now I'll go down there and get it. Mm-hmm. Your, your brain, not to minimize it, well, but yeah. your brain is kind of trainable like a dog, and once you say, no, 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 we're go- this is what we believe now. It's like, oh, well, we used to believe that. Yeah, but we don't believe that anymore. Oh, okay. And it gets on board. It's incredible the way that that has actually panned out in my life and in the life that I've seen of clients. It is. It's, I mean, whether it's relational challenges, financial challenges, health challenges, like the idea of, I'll think of myself for financial challenges. You know, I, I grew up in a very wealthy household. And so the, the you would think... You know, I've studied law of attraction, vibration, and I'm like, I feel like I should carry the vibration of somebody who's got plenty of wealth. Like, but I don't have the wealth to match. And and I, and I've kind of, it's been one of those one of the many things in my own life where I'm like, all right, I've picked up a lot of tools. Until I see them changing my life, I'm I'm still in searching for the ones that work. Right? I'm not. I don't get in love with tools to the point like if they don't work, throw them away or or mature them or whatever. And so as you're talking, I'm thinking about, you know, the wealth of uh, the wealth thing and a belief that I probably carry that money is hard to make. Right. Right. And uh, because my life seems to reflect it. So if you want to know what you believe, just look at your life. That's one way. That's how it works. Right. Um, Or your feelings or your thoughts. (laughs) And so I believe money's hard to make. I think there's another belief that money's not important. Okay. Um, which is an interesting one to really kind of sit down with, but and, and deciding differently. Right. It, and, and that's a great one. You know, money's not important or, you know, the idea of a hop, skip and a jump from there. Money's the root of all evil or mm-hmm. you know, money's bad. Right. And so, you know, looking at that just for a second to be able to say money's not important. Well, to do vast amounts of good in the world. Mm hmm. And to push back against the sometimes vast amounts of evil in the world, resources are required. Yep. So you don't necessarily have to be the one supporting Mother Teresa, or you don't have to be Mother Teresa. But somebody has to support Mother Teresa, just like somebody has to be Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. If your calling is to be, go be. Great. If your calling is to support, then you need to decide that resources are important to have so that you can put them behind 
the things where good can flourish. Because there's plenty of evil that's decided it needs resources to flourish. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like when Moses went to see Pharaoh and he threw his staff down and it turned into a serpent and then the magicians threw their staffs down and they turned into serpents. So everybody can make their staffs into serpents. It just right. happens that... <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, hopefully that's a, an analogy that makes sense. It's just that good ate the, the magician's servant staffs, right. right? Right. But it, this works for everyone. So if on the side of good and people who want to see good manifested in the world and people who have a vision for a beautiful thing to happen, eh, my mentor's vision is to eliminate human suffering in the world, like not in Cincinnati, right? in the world. That requires a lot of resources. He's generating a lot of resources. You know, there are a lot of people who have a lot of big visions that require a lot of resources who are seeing resources come to them to create those right. visions. So it takes a lot of money to get to the moon. Mm -hmm. Now now we got a moon race on in the private sector. Cool. Right. Right. There's a lot of resources flowing to those efforts. So as wealthy as any one of those individuals are, they're not funding those out of their own pockets. Money is flowing through their pockets to fund those dreams and those visions that they have. Right. So for anyone listening to be able to say, I want to be a billionaire. Okay, cool. For what? Right. Mm -hmm. So what's the reason that money would flow to you? What's the thing that you've decided is important enough to bring into the world that a billion dollars would be required? Because it kind of doesn't work in reverse really well. It's one of those things is to, to the, the decision component of it is that, you know, I've got two ideas and you talk about your mentor's idea to, you know, to eliminate human suffering. I have an idea that he might want to hear. I don't know if we've talked about it or not, but that's another discussion not to be recorded. Um, but, uh, a monastic conversation. Yeah. There's a, there's another idea I have, uh, Vervcast and building that it's the power decision coming down to, you know, somebody from me, I've got 50 ideas mm -hmm. and I can feel just in this conversation. I have felt it the last few weeks. Like at some point you have to decide where to put your time and your energy and your money and your efforts and, mm -hmm. you know, to decide that money is not uh, the evidence that money is not hard to come by and that it is important. And looking at my life for the evidences of, I listened to a gentleman not too long ago, kind of just say like, can you, is it possible to double the amount of money you make in one hour? You know, cause most people, a lot of people are paid hourly. Mm hmm um, people think, oh, I can't, I can't make three hundred thousand a year. But if you just break it down to, you know, can, have you ever made, have you ever made fifty dollars in an hour? Have you ever made one hundred fifty dollars in an hour? You know, have you ever made fill in the blank? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's the evidence seeking to give your mind something to find as evidence to go. Oh no, I have. I think everybody at some point in their life has been paid a couple hundred bucks for, you know, an hour's worth of help. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, I'll pay you two hundred dollars to help me move, type of thing. Like I, th I think we've all had those moments where we, dang, I made really good money for that little amount of time. That's your evidence, right? That and, is your and the cool thing is, in the way that this, the way that this works, as I'm learning it, is 
Like when I went to transform the limiting belief, I'm too old to start this business, right? And mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm too old. No, I'm not too old. We talked about this, I think, in the last in the last podcast. I'm not too old. In fact, this is the perfect time. It's the ideal time for my ideal client for me to be in this business. Okay, so what's the evidence for that? And I struggled to find evidence. And so in this model, you can start with evidence from other people's lives. So if you go, mm-hmm. well, money's hard to make. Okay, do I know anybody that's making decent money? Right. The kind of money that I would think would be hard to make. Well, all of us can probably say, well, actually, yes, I do. Okay. So do they look like they're suffering and struggling to bring in whatever that kind of money is? No, they probably actually look like they're having a pretty good time. Right. Right. So is money hard to make? Apparently not for some people. (laughs) Right. And that's where we shoot ourselves in the foot. But not for me. It's hard to make for me. Stop. Go back. Reframe the limiting belief money is hard to make and turn it back into, okay, so money's not hard to make. What's the evidence of that? And if you have to start outside of yourself, like I did with the limiting belief, I'm too old, start outside yourself. Go, you, you, found, you talked about uh, Colonel Sanders. Right, right. Harlan Sanders is in his 70s driving around Kentucky in an old beat-up station wagon trying to sell a chicken recipe, right? right. And, and now so, we have KFC. And now we've got KFC. Right. So, so the, de- the decision that he wanted to do that blew through every barrier that anybody would have said, he's too old, his car's too crappy, you'll mm-hmm. never sell a recipe to a place in the South that already has all the chicken recipes they want, <laughs> right? right? And instead, he winds up starting a chain restaurant. Didn't, didn't set out to start up an international chain restaurant. Right. Just wanted to start a restaurant, Right. sell chicken recipes. So at any rate, he made, he made a decision. I made a decision, and lo and behold... Now, from the idea that I'm too old, less than a year ago, you know, now I'm selling this coaching program to help people in relationships transform the way that they're doing relationship with one another and begin to live out of a powerful dream and vision for their life instead of teetering on the verge of divorce or some sort of a dead or broken relationship. Right. So I wouldn't have been able to tell you a year ago that that would have been possible. Right? But now it's like, well, what else should I be believing? Because <laughs> that seems yeah. like a little small. I'll tell you what, that evidence seeking, that finding the evidence, it's one of those like we love to be our own, we love to be victims. Mm-hmm. We right? kind of do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really backwards way of being powerful. Right? Yeah, and it's, and well, like Barker says, you know, it's the, the decision not to make a decision Failure is the backwards version of success. Right. Right. We are doing the same thing when we decide not to decide so that we wind up failing as we could if we decided to go forward and made a powerful decision to create something and backed it up with the evidence that's available to us that we could. Yeah. Right. It's a shame because it's like, so I think I was sharing this if I I did. So I'm going to read this. You know, the solution of any difficulty is as near as your next thought. And a lot of people go, yeah, right. You know, <laughs> blah, blah. And so he goes on to say, you know, the average person lets his mind run riot and then complains bitterly about his difficulties. Tell him that he needs new ideas and to think differently than he has been thinking, and he'll laugh at you. And so when you decide to be happy, the creative process of mind moves into instant action upon your decision. That's just a reality. Mm-hmm. And 
And it's all over any spiritual tradition that you choose to look at. And now we've got all the science that most reasonable people would have to have to go, okay, well, I guess that's true. Right. To support that idea that says, no, if we make a decision, things begin to move in the direction of that powerful decision. Giving yourself the evidence helps to rewire your brain even more quickly and even more surely. And that's really what we're, we're talking about at the end of the day, the power of decision in actually rewiring the brain. Yeah. And that's I'm just, so there's another in chapter two, <coughs> indecision, success and failure are results of the use of mind. So both of them mm-hmm. are the results of use of mind. Every success-motivated mind has been a decisive mind. Every failure-motivated mind has been an indecisive mind. Only the dreamer who acted with decision on his dreams brought forth something new and valuable. It takes as much hard mental work to fail as it does to succeed. Failure is actually a success negative. (laughs) It is the result of consistent negative patterns in the subconscious mind. And this is the, the sentence I was getting to. Worry always begets indecision. And so it's interesting to that when I was going towards the idea of like the victim, right? Choosing a decision to not worry seems to me, and it's kind of that, and it's a, to go more a bit more spiritual, a bit broader, is that everything is for you, that life has got so much to offer that like, you know, I choose this day between life and death, like the idea of which tree are you going to live from? Mm-hmm. And that if you're going to live from life and you're going to live from abundance, you're going to live from the choice to say, you know what? There is so much evidence that I don't need to worry. And from there, you'll realize that your life will begin to... It's so many people, I can just feel them listening to this podcast. They're like, yeah, but you don't know my life. Right? Mm-hmm. You don't know this, the shit that I've got to wake up to and worry about. Right. And... At some point, you have to decide to stop, to not enjoy and not find your victory in being the victim and and not find your power in being powerless. Right. And not believing that that's who you are. Right. I'm a victim. Got it. We're a victim. Yep. Let's go out and be victimized today. Let's go reticulate the activating system. Let's find victimhood everywhere we go. Right. And congratulations. Not to be about it. No. But... But that's what will happen. It is it is a core decision that, and it's interesting, you know, worry always begets indecision. And Correct. so from there, everything else dominoes. Right. That if you could find out a, a handful of core decisions to make about how you view life, how you view your place in life, how you view uh, the universe and how it works around you, that if you could understand, if you could decide that life is for you, then the next step is to find the evidence. Yeah, I mean, I think Einstein said something to the effect of, you know, one of the best, most important decisions you can make is whether or not you believe that you live in a hostile universe or a friendly universe, mm-hmm. right? And so if you believe that things are conspiring against you all the time, you will be worried and consumed with, you know, angst. Um, you know, anxiety on the rise, Amongst the young, the uh, increase in anxiety and incoming college freshmen over the last 15 years or whatever it is, is staggering. Right. Right. And so over 50 percent now for men and women coming into college would be labeled as clinically anxious. So they're consumed with worry. They're consumed with all these negative thoughts and emotions and, and 
and no doubt behaviors, right? Thank, they thank you, media. That, right? right. Well, I mean, it's just, it's reinforcing the trend. And so it's like pushing a snowball that's already rolling downhill. You know, it doesn't really need the help. But, <laughs> but hey, if it bleeds, it leads, they say in the media. Right, so, right. you know, anything that's juicy, it's going to throw out there because that's what sells ad space. So they're just kind of doing what they know to do to keep their little machinery running. There are consequences to the rest of us. But if you, if you, if you look at all the trends and how worried and consumed with worry that people are and how simple it would actually be for people to get themselves out of that state mm-hmm. if they only understood the idea that I could make a different decision and I can prove it with the evidence. And then what was it that that guy said? You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Right. And all of a sudden, you're not in bondage to all the fear and you're not in bondage to the worry. I mean, worry and anxiety is essentially the reflection of a story that we're telling ourselves or a meaning that we've given to an event. That was bad. Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. Well, it happened, right? Yep. Nobody's telling so, it didn't. Right? So that thing happened. But then we get to continue to hang decisions and meanings on it that make it one thing or another. And so it's, uh, again, not to minimize anything that's happened to anybody, but I know plenty of people very close to me who have decided that their life is crap. And because (laughs) they've decided that their life is crap, guess what? What what do you think's happened? (laughs) It's kind of turned to crap. It's like, great job. Now, what if you would decide that your life is powerful and amazing? But, you know, they think that the the life of crap that they have is something that's happened to them. Mm -hmm. And so, conversely, they're waiting for a powerful and amazing life to happen to them. Guess what? Right. It ain't gonna. Well, they don't realize that it takes as much hard mental work to fail as it does to succeed. And I'd suggest even more. Have you ever known somebody who's really just miserable? Uh Uh-huh. And... And it just sucks the life out of a room when they come in the room and they're spouting misery and a drama. It's all bad and it's all terrible. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, don't I have something I can go do? Uh-huh. And so on the other hand, you know, when you're hanging out with people that are like doing amazing things and, you know, it's life-giving and it's energizing and you go away and you want to do amazing things. Mm-hmm. So like attracts like. And and it's not and it is that misery loves company truly and it is that kind of power of power of um, you know the I don't know attraction the law of attraction right so if I've believed that my life is crap and I'm hanging out with people whose lives are crap and we can all look at one another and go yeah see life is crap and it's hard and the air and the soul is sucked out of the room or we can decide it's not and put ourselves in the company of people who are trying to transform the world for good. And being in the company of people like that is amazing mm-hmm. and transformative in and of itself and gives you more energy to do more powerful, positive, mm-hmm. and amazing things. But it comes down to the decision that you make. And, it, you know, people are like, well, it can't be that simple. Well, Try it. Go, go to that. I would just challenge you. Yeah. Yeah. Go, go ahead. Go to that bar that we're, we, you know, misery loves company. Right. And you go and start telling your friends. I've decided to believe that life is good. They'll kick you out of that bar after about three nights. Right. Your phone will stop ringing. Guess what? Your life is changing. Like Correct. you decided to believe something different. Your life will begin to reflect it almost immediately, especially if you start confessing it. Right. Especially if you start sharing it. You start, you start telling people life is good. 
you'll start surrounding yourself with people who go, absolutely, totally agree with you. You're right. Yeah, if you want to find out who your real friends are, who's vested in you and not in some behavior that you're engaged in, like the first example of this that I ever really could consciously point to is when I was um, a younger person and quit smoking dope like a rock star, right? <laughs> and so I just I just decided I'm not going to do that anymore. That's dumb, right? And so I'd go to the same places that I went, and people were like, here, dude, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm good, you know, I, I quit. And they're like, oh, Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, good for you, man. Um, oh, hey. Uh, <laughs> and people were like, well, wasn't it hard to quit? I'm like, no. You know, my phone, you know, this is back when they hung on the wall. My right. phone just stopped ringing instantly, <laughs> like within a matter of days. I'm like, crickets, nothing to do. Okay. And so so it, it completely changed my world. I had one friend who didn't like abandon me. Right. Um, but it wasn't an abandonment issue. It was just people were like, oh, wow, that doesn't really work for me. Cool for you. But right. Paul wasn't vested in the behavior. He was vested in the person. Right. Mm-hmm. And so so that's a for me, that was an example of when I made a decision to change my life by just stopping that one behavior. It completely transformed everything almost overnight. Now, it transformed the way that I looked at smoking dope and getting high. Right. Right. So that was one internal shift. And it was never really compelling after that. It's like Mm -hmm. everything that I'd done ever before then was all about, hey, let's party. And then all of a sudden one day it was like, no, we're not doing that now. Let's have a deep conversation now. But (laughs) without the dope. Right. (laughs) Couldn't we do that? (laughs) Is that possible? Can you see God when you're not tripping? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, so anyway, you know, if you make a, a powerful decision, powerful things begin to happen in your life, but it, it's to the good and to the bad. If you make a powerful decision to start living like a rock star, right? you know, you can do that. Right. It, 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 and that's the things I think people, and this, uh, this episode is, I could talk for hours about it. So it's, we'll have to wrap it up eventually. But uh, gotcha. the idea that, that people think life happens to them. Yeah. And they, you know, I wasn't thinking this, that, and the other. It just happens. It always happens to me. Right. That's, and you're like, Why does this oh, happen to me? Always. Always. Interesting. Doesn't always happen to Tony Robbins. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know what always happens to Tony Robbins? Different things. The right. things you wish happened to you. Right. You know, and other people who are success-minded and, and, and have figured this stuff out. That's the thing is, is, we, if you back all the way out and realize that life is, is if it's a math equation, that it is a combination of your thoughts, you know, your, your decisions, your beliefs, your thoughts, that kind of whole thing, plus your upbringing and the things that you've been, your training, mm-hmm. that equals your existing life. We kind of talked about that on the couch a little bit earlier. Right. Like It's a basic equation. So you want to change your existing life? Well, you can't change your training. Like you were raised in the family you were raised in, you were raised in the country you were raised in, you speak the language you speak. Right. Your domestication is what it is. So the only th- way to change the the your life on the other side of the equal sign is to change your thoughts. And your thoughts will change as this, you know, circle of downstream flow. You know, your thoughts right. will change your feelings, your feelings will change your actions, actions will change your outcomes, and then those outcomes will reinforce new thoughts. Right. And uh, it does work like that. And some things, like especially those kind of behavior changes, like not smoking dope anymore, they are almost instant. So when you start sharing them, confessing them, 
but uh, things things that are a little bit more interpersonal, the the idea, you know, relationship with money or the relationship with, you know, finding love or whatever, your health. There is this kind of, uh, I won't call it a lag time because it's definitely not the right word, but, you know, you make that decision to be healthy, to be wealthy, to be, to be whatever. And obviously you don't wake up the next day and just instantly, you know, you don't have a genie in the bottle and you're instantly healthy because you decided to be. Right. Um, Although that can happen. Right. True. The typical is more, I make a decision and a new process begins. And that's where I wanted to get to. Yeah. Is that when that process begins, if you're so, if you've conditioned yourself to, to be a victim to, well, life just happens to me, there is, there's kind of underneath this is the understanding that you are a divine creative being. And that when you decide to manifest something different in your life, Realize that so much of that creative capacity is going to come from within. There will be the law of attraction, the vibration. There will be opportunities that you're reticulated, you're reticulated, activating. The RAS. <laughs> the RAS, right? Good grief. The RAS finds different opportunities that it didn't see before. I mean, yep. like that. There's, there is vibrational reality to the spiritual realms that quantum physics is, is starting to explain. Sure. Um, where people will randomly come to you that otherwise wouldn't have. So life will happen to you. You'll start seeing things you didn't see. But also from within, you'll start, you'll be faced with, do I want to keep making this decision? Right? Do I want to keep deciding things on top of this other decisions and other decisions and other decisions? And um, it is one of those things I just encourage anybody listening, like if you want to make a major change, Understand, this isn't a magic formula. This is the divine formula. Correct. This, this, this is, is this, how you were designed. Yeah. And this is how everything great was ever built. Right. Somebody made a decision, and they kept that decision at the forefront of their mind. And there's, there is a measure of not taking no for an answer. Well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the thing that happens to most dreams is people give up to them right before fruition. Oh, my gosh. Have you heard about the, I think, was it in the book about the... Seven seven feet from gold yes. or something like that. Yeah, right, right. Like it's that's a great story, isn't it? Yeah, the, give the Reader's Digest version. The short version of the story is a couple guys were digging for gold in Colorado, and they were they found a great vein, and they ended up spending sinking a bunch of money into it to uh, invest in the mine and everything like that, and then the vein ran out, and they dug and dug and dug and dug, and they ran out of money, and they. And then some, and then they sold it. Practically gave it away. Yeah, they sold it to some some cattle rancher or something, and he had the wherewithal to hire a geologist. <laughs> and the geologist found that they, basically there was a shift in the tectonic plates, right? And that vein was just like seven feet to the right. Correct. Right, and then it ended up being the richest gold mine in Colorado history. Yeah. Right. right. And these two dudes just gave up. Right. Know. They quit just before finding the real mother load. Right. So I mean that's that's a great metaphor and you know a concrete example of how that can happen but i mean so often that happens over and over and over again in life you know people give up on their dreams people give up on this good thing that they want they give up on finding a real relationship and so they settle for some crap mm-hmm. that they really don't have to because they don't believe that they're worthy or they don't believe that thing good things come to them or whatever it is that they that core limiting belief is that they hold on to that then dictates everything else so you know to to really encourage listeners to be able to say okay look you know, give yourself the opportunity to make a new decision 
as a co-creator with with God or with infinite intelligence or with whatever you would say. And then remember that the world that you're living in today is the result of decisions that you made in the past. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So it will take a little time for a lot of things that take time to manifest to work themselves out once you start making new decisions. But in the same way that the world that you're living in today is the result of decisions you made in the past, so will the world that you live in tomorrow be the result of the decisions you start making today. Right. Some things, however, like I'm too old, no, I'm not too old, all of a sudden, within the course of 40 minutes, that belief, I'm too old, made no sense. Right. So some things you'll notice an almost automatic, what? How could right. I have ever even thought ever such that? a thing? So I'm, I've never been there personally, but you know, but, well, everything I've ever know, thought. Now you know I still one believe. person who has. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, um, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure, and um, I love talking about this with you. Yeah, right. I, enjoy, I highly enjoy your company all the time, and uh, Ditto. I cannot recommend what you do and who you are enough to this audience. I know. I think I've mentioned it on the previous episode. I'll mention it again. Like if the uh, the if anybody is anybody I would ever consider to be a life coach or anything like that, that I will be hitting you up. That's why I asked you your pricing today. <laughs> like uh, this, it's it is important enough to me to to realize that you know even the best athletes in the world have coaches. Yeah, there's a reason that we do that, right? And so, uh, anyways, anybody in this audience, if you're kind of looking for somebody. Like, hey, I really, you know, this New Age Christian concept, I love a lot of what's there, but I just, I need it to kind of drill down into my day-to-day life. I cannot recommend Grant Porteous highly enough. And uh, Thank you, sir. Uh, what's your website? Um, www.grantporteous.com. How do you spell Porteous? P-O-R-T-E-O-U-S. And uh, I'll try to remember to make sure to put a link in the show notes for that. You can send me an email at grant at grantporteous.com. We're actually working on um, relaunching the website right now. So if you delay uh, a couple of weeks, you'll probably get to someplace. If you don't, you can still send an email right now. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. So uh, anyways, and if as always, if you guys would consider uh, donating um, to the New Age Christian Project. I don't even know what to, you know, it's, it's, um, keep it on the air, a thought form. And yeah, we, uh, highly appreciate your consideration all the time. And, uh, this book and some of the other books in this series will be on the show notes as well. I really recommend this book. It's one of my favorites. I'll be reading it again. It was amazing. Yeah. I, I um, you know, you use the example of, you know, this book is pretty, can be pretty hefty. Mm-hmm. Right. So, fair warning. Grant used, used the example of, of Wim. It's like Wim Hof swimming underneath an iceberg. Easy so, for him to say. Right. So if you don't know who Wim Hof is, he's the ice man who like, right. you know. He probably spent the most time in extremely cold water. Or he's the guy that teaches groups of people to hike up mountains in the middle of winter in shorts and boots. Right. Right. So, um, yes, this is a thought form that Grant and I spend a lot of time in. And we can have a very, you know simple conversation about it is a hefty book but i'm telling you it is if you've got any any uh inclination to dig deeper into uh what i would you know in my mind's eye again i keep having that kind of that switch on a train track Mm -hmm. that decision is the switch it is um if you want to change anything in your life decide first and there is certainly an interplay with thoughts and beliefs and that kind of 
you know, some people will, I would like to decide that, but I don't believe it's right. You know, okay, mm-hmm. well then to decide to believe differently, whatever. But decision is an energy. There's an energy to the word that you know, on those who would try to find enlightenment and seek a path, you're going to have a lot of, of course corrections. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A lot of th- changing thoughts and decision and the power of making a choice is, uh, I think it's, it's one of those things that if you can master, become a master of decision making, you can become a master of life. That's well said. So That's well said. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here and uh, we'll have to do it again. It's a plan. <laughs> All right. Take care. All right, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you.